RC Airplane. We'll share tips and tricks on how to build models and talk about successful flights, epic crashes, and everything in between. Visit us at rcplanelab.com to sign up for our email list and to ask us questions. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the RC Plane Lab Podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Merry Christmas, Ron. Thanks, Tom. Merry Christmas to you as well. Thank you very much. So this episode is airing Christmas Day. It so is. if you celebrate that holiday, Merry Christmas to you, uh, anyone who's listening. And if uh, if you don't celebrate that holiday and you celebrate some other holiday around this time, happy holidays, everybody. Exactly. And if you don't celebrate anything, uh, happy day. Happy day. Happy Friday. Speaking of happy days, mm-hmm. last weekend we had a pretty happy day. We did. I, I thought that was kind of fun. It was. I, I really it enjoyed, was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the trip up there. Yep. Um, I'm glad we took your vehicle because... Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed the conversations. Uh, yeah, yeah um, that's true. Those were those were uh, very enjoyable. I had a good time. So if anybody missed it, we're talking about last week, we uh, interviewed Brian up at Dynamic Balsa. Um, had a fun little conversation with him. It was just kind of good to get to know him a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and I had fun with that. Yeah, I did too. But I'm but, glad we took your car. But yeah. Because we ended up with uh, seven, count them, seven, not all of which are going to fly. There's uh, probably well, a couple of them that I don't think we're going to yeah. end up doing anything with. We'll see. But seven airplanes. Seven new to us mm-hmm. airplanes. From probably 35, 36 inch wingspan, yeah, I think. 30, yeah, 33-ish, I think is the smallest one here. Up to a uh, 50cc yak with an 84, 86, 87 Say 85. inch, 85 inch 85 wingspan. 85 inch, yeah. yeah. Quite the range. Quite the range. It was yeah. a, a packed vehicle. Yeah, and it's uh, like I said, it's a good thing we took my vehicle. I, you know, the plan was not to come home with seven new airplanes. It wasn't. Uh, we but... had a very simple agenda to go up there. We we're going to uh, have our conversation with Brian, which went really, well, uh, really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a few things that I wanted to pick up to kind of finish up the duelist. And you Me had too. Uh, you had one specific airplane that you were thinking about, yeah, uh, having a look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, came home with seven but airplanes. But you couldn't pass up the deal. Like, I don't think. They were Obviously, good Obviously, I, I didn't pass up the deal. Right. So, yeah. Um, and so the yak I got, it's uh, it's an older yak. Um, it's going to need a little bit of, of refinishing. I mean, I, not necessarily. It's completion. Have, completion. There you go. Um, and that's not anything that's going to happen. Put the pen away. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We can't give you click pens. I can't have anything over here. Um, but anyway, so this airplane's not one I'm going to be putting together anytime soon. It's probably going to be a year or two down the line. Right. Um, because it's a 50cc yak, and it's going to take some money in yeah. order to get it going. Yeah. And I'm, but, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Yeah. But and I'm we're going to have to build some stabs. We are. And I don't think that's going to be hard. Because nah. it came with everything pretty much except the stabs. Yeah. And, and a cowl. Oh, and a cowl. Cowl doesn't bother me either, though. No, because I think I think there's a pretty quick and easy way that we've talked about uh, coming up with our own cowl. So yeah. So being a yak, it's a nice round, round <laughs> cowl. Easy um, peasy. And like my plan is either just cut circles out on a CNC machine and then shape it the rest of the way by hand, or use a, a wood lathe and and cut some wood down to the right uh, right diameter and stuff to make a plug. Make a plug and then fiberglass. Yep. Yeah. So I'm not the stabs will be easy because I myself have a 50 cc yak such that we could potentially use that as a template. Uh, cut some ribs, uh, build up some stabs and elevators. Piece of cake. Yeah. Would you do it built up out of that uh, out of balsa, or would you do foam? I would. Well, I honestly, foam would probably be quicker and easier. 
than building them up out of uh, balsa, but we could build them out of balsa too. Either way, we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's uh, it's a good looking airplane. It is. I I like it. Um, I like the yellow and black. I will like it better when it's uh, able to be flown. Well, but, yeah, that would. And you've wanted this size yak for a while. I have. I mean, I, 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 there's something about a yak. I mean, you've hounded me a couple of times about mine, and of course I don't want to get off mine, so now you finally have your own. You don't? I don't want, want to get off of mine, you know, like sell it. I've never heard of it that way. Get rid of? I've heard of get rid of well, mine. that too. But, I mean, I, like when you say that, I just like envision... Me sitting on it. You going in the basement every night and just like sitting on it like it's a horse or something. <laughs> So I should get a picture of that now. <laughs> please post it, post please the, do. <laughs> yeah, post it in the forums. Me but, sitting on my yak. Yeah, that's. Mm, mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I've wanted that size that size airplane for a while because it's it's a good size for. They handle well. They They're do. fast. Yeah, I mean they they will do snap rolls and all that stuff a lot faster than my big big one will. Yeah, I would say they they fly. You can fly them with more precision mm -hmm. um, because they are. I mean, really, they're easier to fly when they're bigger. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a, it's an unfortunate truth. The bigger they are, the better they fly. And the the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, yeah. But usually, you know, if you're cautious, you'll probably crash the bigger ones less than you'll crash the smaller ones, right? You should. I mean, I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with that. Well, they fly better, <laughs> like you said. Right. And you're most likely going to be a little bit more uh, cautious with them. Well, in your frame of reference, I think, is better. Because it's physically bigger, it's just easier to see. Yeah. So maybe a little less likely to get, you know, crossed up, you know, which side is up sometimes on the, like we can do with the smaller ones. True. And stuff doesn't happen as fast, so... You have a little bit more time, or at least it appears that you have more time because yeah. it's bigger. <laughs> well, it they move quick, but they have to move farther because they're bigger. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. So I know exactly yeah, what you stuff are. actually moves a little bit slower, but it still happens fast. It does. Yep. It can still get away from you in a hurry, but because of its size and its presence, you have. I th it feels like more awareness. So the corrections are easier. Yeah. It's weird. It's hard to explain. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but well, that's something we'll deal with. Like I said, here in probably a year or two, something yep. along I'm glad, those lines. I'm glad it, you got it um, because now yeah. we both have a similar sized yak. Mm -hmm. um, although yours is smaller, your it is. 50 cc yak is smaller than mine. I'm okay with that. Which I'm, you know, that makes a small win. Small win for me. Well, um, you still have the biggest airplane, but and you're winning anyway because you can fly yours now if you wanted to. I am so well, far away true. from flying that one. That's that's, well, that's just going to sit here for a while. Yeah, well, that's true. That's so, true. And yeah. that's okay, though, because, you know, eventually, at least you have the airframe and you're, it's a start. Yeah, so, I'm not worried about it. And like I said, it, it was, well, like you said, it was a really good deal. I, I think you got a, a fair deal. Very More fair than deal. fair deal. Yeah. I mean, he's even, happy, I'm happy, so. Yeah, even considering the amount of work it's going to take to get it the airframe ready, mm -hmm. I still feel like for what you paid for it, I, I feel like it was a fair deal. So when he was explaining like where it came from and stuff, and so apparently there was a, an older gentleman that was putting it together um, and he died. Um, ah, I hear your cup. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so dry the, over here. the guy that was uh, putting <clears throat> it together died and his kids were cleaning out his house and didn't really know 
what they had and all that kind of stuff. And apparently, so I was hoping he was going to say the whole thing was in the dumpster, <laughs> but he didn't. So this well, airplane, you asked him. I did. I, you said, I, hey, was it in a dumpster? Because if he would have said, yeah, this came out of a dumpster, oh, that would have been like, right now, here's your money. Let's, yep. We're doing this. <laughs> But it wasn't. So the stabs that are missing. For those who don't remember, we have a, a fondness for pulling airplanes out of trash receptacles of some kind and <laughs> reviving them and then cursing them because we can't get them to fly or run. Well, trash can't tell a master. <laughs> right. So we still have that one. Then yes. we have the two strikes that we got. That's true. And those came out of a construction dumpster. A dumpster. Uh, yeah, the yeah. guy was moving. Yeah, we will fly those eventually. Eventually. But anyway, so the stabs from this one ended up in the dumpster, and that's why I don't have them. Right. They threw those and away. And probably the cowl. And probably the cowl, yeah. So they threw that stuff away before somebody stopped them and said, hey, that's worth some money. You know, don't just pitch it all. Yeah. So unfortunately, that never made it into the dumpster, which would have made a better story, but that's okay. Yeah. There's still a dumpster but involved somehow. Chances are, though, that if that had made it into the dumpster with the stabs and the cowl, probably would not own it right now. True. That depends when they, you know what I'm saying? the other guy would have seen it and told him to stop. Right. So anyway. But that's the yak. That's, that's the, the yak. biggest uh, that we brought home this weekend. We also came home with an e-flight air tractor. That's right. I forgot about that one <laughs> I know, briefly. I did too. <laughs> um, that, that's going to be a fun one. And I, I can't believe we actually bought an airplane with safe. Yeah, it has safe. And with AS3X. AS3X, yeah. AS3X, you know, okay, you know, whatever, but safe. Yeah, that'll be, uh, I'm familiar with safe a little bit because it was in that Mustang that I, that I believe uh, Reggie has now, I think. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. Um, with the gas, you know, yeah. the gas two-stroke on it. Um, but I would not say I'm very familiar with it. So this will be interesting. Yeah, this will be I'm a fun actually one looking to, forward to seeing you fly this one. This will be a fun one to try and yeah. see how it goes. I think you'll I think you're gonna have a good time with this one. But the good thing is you can turn safe off. Yeah, true. But you cannot turn AS3X off. That's okay. I mean Well, I mean I'd like to be able to turn it off and have full control. It's a foamy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a small one. What Which, is it? You know 30, what I think? Thirty six inches, thirty eight inches, something like that. No, it's fifty nine. Oh really? Oh wow. I thought it was fifty nine. Oh good. It, yeah, it's, um, it's a bigger. It's a good size, yeah, good size electric plane. Uh, and I tell you, it has uh, the cool plug-in wings uh, with the uh, sockets to where you don't have to worry about plugging in the servo separately. It's just a block that as you slide the wings in, everything sort of connects. And I think that's a cool feature. Yeah, and then you have two screws that go in the bottom to hold it in, and that's it. Plus it has lights. Yeah. <laughs> it has a wingtip, you know, uh, position lights, which I which I think is awesome. And then it also has the, uh, so the the lights light up red and green. On so the wingtips. On the wingtips. Yep. And then there's also the strobes on each wingtip too. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Does it have a beacon too, like on the fuselage? I no. I didn't notice if it had one. No, it just has the two like landing lights on the front. I'll tell you, the, the thing I like best about that airplane, at least presence-wise, are the flaps. I don't know why I'm I'm yeah, so you get enamored. Super excited I am about those flaps. because they're a Fowler, you know, a full-on Fowler flap that are slotted. You know, they they kind of come out and down when they're so when you get your radio programmed, you can slow those down and they come down kind of scale like. I think that's cool, <laughs> and they're yeah. hinged like a real Fowler flap should be hinged. Um, but anyway, I, yeah, I think it uh, it's a pretty airplane. Yeah, it's gonna fly well, and, and it's, it's like new. I mean, there's like hardly a scratch on it. Well, no, it was, I mean, it's never been flown before. Oh, well, like, that it's explains not been, why it's new. It wasn't fully <laughs> assembled even, so. Oh, nice. Yeah, it, it was pretty good. Um, and you said you, you um, before we started uh, 
before we sat down to do this, you said that you had already bound it to the radio. I have. I haven't flown it yet. I was. I really wanted to do that tonight. Yeah. But it was just a little bit too dark for me by the time I had time or had time to get out and do it. Oh. Um, so it shows it's a one point five meter airplane. So whatever that ends up being, I can't. Oh, well, a meter is about three feet. Fifty nine so. inches. I'm 59, sorry. Fifty nine. Well, that's what you said. So, Fifty nine. Yeah. yeah, that's thought, pretty good size. Uh, pretty good size. It's foamy. bigger than you think when you actually get the wings on it. It's it's, it, it it's is a, a decent size airplane. Yeah, when you plug the wing, the both panels in it, it does turn yeah. into a big and I, airplane. That's my first, with the exception of my my first Cub that I bought. It's my first foamy. Really? I mean, I'm trying to go through, and I don't remember ever buying another one of those. Go look around. Well, I mean, everything. you've got you've got the little yak over there. That's a foamy. I'm talking about like decent sized foam airplane. Okay. Like everything I have in the forty ish size, like forty size nitro. Okay, yeah. That is all balsa. I don't have anything foam like that. I'll be darned. Huh. Yeah. How about that? I was thinking that when I was coming home yesterday. I was like, that's the first one other than the cub. Other than the cub, yeah. So yeah, my first E flight well, airplane there you too. Go. So we'll and see how a, that goes. It's a good looking airplane. It I is. I think. Yeah, like I said, it's going to be perfect for out here. Mm-hmm. I think it's got the big wheels on it. it got, yep, exactly. And it's, it's made for this kind of terrain, so perfect. Yeah, yep. we'll see how that goes, and I we'll think, we'll I play with the cool. safe and all that stuff too, and see how how it works. Yeah, because I'm not familiar with. Well, that'd be them. good. Yeah, you can you can tinker with the with the safe and then experiment with it or whatever, and then you can be the expert. And when we get the emails asking us about safe te- technology, you'll be uh, you'll be all over it. Yeah, and I I did find out though that. When you bind it, that's when you can either completely disable safe or have it be bound with safe. Oh, I see. So, so once you're bound, yeah, it's, it's all about how you bind it. I see. Like when you take the bind plug out. Okay. So I'll be darned. Yeah, it's good to know that, right? Yeah. So cool. we'll play with it and move on. So, all right. What else did we get? I don't even remember. What else did we get? So we've got them. I've got them kind of strewn about here. Oh yeah, near it's behind me. the table. I can't see them. Um, yeah. So I'm looking, and uh, so yeah, we've. What, I mean, what, what is that? A GWS. Or we, so we I, don't know. It's, yeah. So, okay, the, the next four that we got are kind <laughs> of, they're small. Um, I don't, how so would you describe them? They were, Brian sort of threw these in to sweeten the deal on the other airplanes we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, so they're just some stuff that he, I believe he had laying around, probably stuff that he got kind of extra yeah. as a, you know, as a bonus that he got probably with a package and he's just passing them off. Um but yeah, they're very like the biggest one here is this T thirty four. I thought it was a GWS, but it, you know we did a quick Google search and couldn't find it. So it's but it has GWS servos in it and mm-hmm. it looked like a GWS uh, speed controller. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a foamy thirty three ish inches, um, pretty rough shape. But uh, I don't know, definitely repairable and flyable. Yeah, I think so. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but but there's that, and then there's a uh, what is this thing? I forget. It's a Chicago model company, mm-hmm. Neo Flight 3, which it looks like a high-wing Cessna. It's about a 32-inch wing foam. Uh, you know. It's a it's a weird airplane. Yeah, it was it has integrated uh, electronics. Yeah, so back from the 90s, from what we found. Right. Um, and it's, it was an old ready-to-fly airplane that you threw a battery in and you flew it. Yeah, so, NICADs or NICADs hydrides. Yeah. One of the two, yeah. Uh, uh, but I think we can make that fly. Probably with replace some modern electronics. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But if, yeah, if you look in, there's like a one big board that all the electronics are sort of integrated into. Yeah. So. Well, and that's how the that first cub I had was, that super cub. Oh, okay. It all, everything was built into one board. that board. One board. Yeah. 
So, I mean, not a lot different than that, but cool. the receiver is all built into that and everything else. So, yep. And then uh, another neat little airplane we got here is a House of Balsa Half A um, Beechcraft Bonanza V-Tail. Minus, unfortunately. Well, minus, minus the, the wing. wing. <laughs> um, but that that's not too hard to build a wing. I wouldn't think so. The hard I mean, part, I think, is finished, which is the the fuselage. It's got a few things that need to be done, but yeah. you know the the worst part definitely, of it's finished. Definitely, with a with a wing, could be made flyable. Oh, absolutely, I and mean, and with, will be. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I fully expect to do that one. Right, and then this the, finally this last one, um, it's a it's kind of a unique combination. It's a balsa fuselage mm-hmm. with a foam wing with no ailerons, which that's fine, but also a a rubber banded on foam. Horizontal stab. I know. Which I've never seen before. I haven't either. I think that's like so in cool. all my years of of tinkering with these things, that's the first time I've ever seen that combination, which is kind of cool. I yeah, it's it's weird because I thought it was broken when we yeah. first saw it yeah. because there was no tail on it or right. no no stabilizer, horizontal stab on it. Yep. And then he, he pulls it out and he's like, Well, this goes with it. And it's like really rubber bands is all that hold that yeah. on. Yeah, it just has, like and it has little holes that go through the stab to run the uh, the rubber bands through. So it doesn't hit the uh, uh, elevator. elevator. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, you're right. I just noticed that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you think about, you know, back in the day, trainers, you know, the the high wing trainers, the wings were rubber banded on. Well, this is the same idea, except it's the horizontal stab, and it's rubber banded onto the bottom of the back of the fuselage. Yeah. So weird. It's really, really unique. And uh, right up your alley, it's nitro. <laughs> it is. It comes with an Enya O9. Uh, looks like a. Brand new. I mean, it doesn't look like it's ever been ran. Mm-mm. And I, so I don't understand how that works because <laughs> you said it's going to be loud. It's going to be very loud. There's no muffler. I mean, for an 09, it's yeah. going to be loud. Because there's, there's no muffler on no it. No muffler. And you said the throttle's controlled. It has an exhaust, what I call an exhaust throttle. Okay. So it has a carburetor with a, with a venturi and a barrel that controls, but it also has a plate that rotates, that's connected to the linkage that also rotates the barrel of the carburetor, and they they rotate and move in unison, such that at idle, the exhaust port or outlet, if you will, on the engine is nearly covered at idle, and then as you raise the throttle, as you open the throttle barrel in the carburetor, the linkage pulls the the baffle and opens up the exhaust to a wide open atmosphere. So what good, I mean, like what good does that do? What? So back in the day when this engine was made, especially small engines. Which have you had to guess when, when is that day? Uh, so this engine is definitely, I'd have to do the research and there's other experts out there that probably call me out, but early eighties, probably late seventies uh, okay. for this particular engine. Um, anyway, the technology or the, um, um, the machining processes then were not quite as fine and um, uh, what intricate as as that we can machine today. So to get a, an engine of this size back then to idle, transition and run wide open um, reliably, could not be done with a carburetor alone. We just didn't have the technology to machine the tolerances and the and the orifices. <laughs> Hard to say. Um, correctly to get to make an engine like this run. So what they did is they they used a combination of the throttle barrel and the closing off the throttle to vary the back pressure to allow you to kind of fine tune uh, to get the engine to run through all those phases, the idle transition and, and wide open. 
Um, unfortunately, the side effect, at least for this engine, is because of the way the baffle is designed, there's no way to fit a muffler at all. So it's, yeah, at wide open, the exhaust is wide open, like no muffling whatsoever. It'll get quiet at idle because the exhaust is getting closed off with that baffle. So yeah. interesting. That, that's going to be cool yeah. to hear, Ron. Larger engines back in the day, uh, just FYI, um, like K&B actually, um, well, even before K&B, they used uh, the same sort of idea. You know, they had a throttle, a throttleable carburetor and also a baffle, but the baffle was inside the exhaust port and it was a flat plate, kind of like a butterfly, and it had a lever on it that was connected to the linkage on the carburetor also so that you could still fit a muffler over the top of it and it would just baffle the exhaust that way. But this one... Kind of oh, like the intake on a carburetor. Exactly. Or, okay. In reverse, yeah. Yeah. Except, yeah, on this little guy here, it's just a plate that rotates. Yeah. It's, you know. it's neat the way it's set up. Yeah. Like engineering is just like it'll be cool yeah it'll be fun to play then. with I think I'm actually kind of looking forward to tinkering with that one. So how do you get back pressure on that one? Like to in order to pressurize the tank to you get don't. fuel. That's that's part of the reason why there's an exhaust baffle on there that'll help to draw the fuel by increasing the schnurly or the not the schnurly but the <laughs> is that the a thing schnurly? I think that's how it's pronounced. It's S C H N E U R L E. Um, that was a, a person's name. Uh, and that was a a type of porting on two strokes uh, that revolutionized two strokes. Actually, back in the day, they had pre that, and mm -hmm. then everything post that has, and it increased power and exhaust transfer and fuel uh, uh, timing and all that sort of stuff. Um, but anyway, this one, this little guy here, there's no way to pressurize the tank, so it, the varying the internal pressure in the engine by muffling or, or closing off some of the exhaust also helps it transfer fuel to draw it from the tank. So it helps create ports. suction then? It does, yeah. Okay. Basically, helps create suction. <laughs> to, yeah, to, to put it simply. And so then is that still like a two-line setup to where one is just a vent? It'll just be open to the air. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to hear that one run. And like, something else that's unique about this engine, the exhaust is on the wrong side. That doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> so I mean, like, like okay. Since the gosh, eighties for sure, mid eighties probably. If you look at ninety percent, I'm no, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to visualize in my mind which side. Oh, I'm sorry. The exhaust is coming yeah, yeah. off of like I'm. So like, if you're sitting in the cockpit, uh -huh. looking out the front of the airplane, since the eighties or so, ninety percent or more of two-stroke engines, the exhaust has been on the right-hand side of the engine. I, I guessed wrong. I just guessed left. Well, I mean, think about where the muffler is always hanging off. It's always I, hanging I off the right I don't do much side. with nitro, so... Well, on an upright engine, you know, if you're sitting in the cockpit, the, the exhaust is always hanging off the right-hand side. Okay. This little guy, it's on the left side, which is kind of cool. You don't see that very often is what I'm getting at, so... Yeah. To uh, me, it was neat. Apparently not. So <laughs> you're going to take that off and put it on your engine uh, on your engine test stand and run I might. I mean, that would be easy. I might, yeah. I mean, I don't see any reason why I shouldn't. Well, I mean, it has to be tested before it's flown because we don't know the condition of it. Tell you what, we'll we'll do that. <laughs> Bring your test stand out next week, next okay. weekend. Oh, okay. For, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll try to remember that. For cookie day. Do you have a, uh, do you have one of those Craftsman workmates? Well, yeah, I do. Out oh, in the shop. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I'll just bring Is there much guy. I don't? That's I mean, true. I'm not trying to say that. I mean, in like your a, shop is yeah, way, pretty but, well, yeah, pretty well stocked. And finally, finally, 
the, the airplane I'm most excited about now. Me too, actually. So is, uh, we found a pair mm-hmm. of new in the box mm-hmm. Carl Goldberg uh, Super Chipmunk 400 electrics mm-hmm. that are little ARFs built up from balsa. Um, the quality on these things is amazing. I mean, it's really they're really well done. Yeah. Slight difference between the two in age, uh, but we're guessing 2012-ish for the newer one and probably 2010 for the for the, 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 think, the other version, I think You think, think so. that's the only difference? I, I mean, think like so. just a couple of years? A couple of years, probably, yeah. You know, because if you think about it, brushless motors and LiPos were really developing fast back then. Yeah. So it probably was only a, because the one that I'm choosing to take uses a stick mount. You know, electric motor, which I'd never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then yours uses the more traditional, you know, firewall direct drive plate mount. Yeah, yeah. And so yours is going to be mine. It was designed to run in a brushless inrunner gearbox. That's what the that's mine... okay. Yeah. So I didn't realize that was an inrunner. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's going to be a higher RPM. That's going to be geared down. Yes, quite a bit. Exactly. Yep. Interesting. Yep. And it... mine will make more noise, obviously, because of the gearbox. And, yeah. And it, it just as Luck would have it. Um, several years ago, our our buddy Dave uh, built an F fifteen foamy for me uh, with a and it was a pusher. And this was, I guess, about more than a few years ago because it's a you know it's a brushless in runner. Mm-hmm. Those aren't real common today. Um, but anyway, I crashed it some years ago. Not bad, but bad enough that I didn't feel like gluing it back together or asking Dave to do it. So I kept, but I kept all the electronics um, to include the servos. Oh, um, they're in a bag. You know what? It's kind of like a duelist bucket. <laughs> like a duelist bucket, but, but it's, it's an F fifteen bag. That's funny. What else do you have sitting there? Like, um, but there's the, the 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 ghost of planes crashed. I think that's about it. Well, no, no there's a couple other bags back there. Anyway, um, <laughs> so there's the the brushless in runner setup mm-hmm. uh, with a speed controller, and then I have the servos, and then I'm pretty sure I use the receiver and something else. But yeah, so, uh, so that's really the only difference between these two little guys. So you're set then. Yeah. You've got everything 28, you need. 20, uh, flying weight of 28 ounces, I think we saw, right? Mm-hmm. Three cell, 1300 LiPo, uh, I think is what we're going to fly them with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I'm the, I'm the most excited about this because I love the Super Chipmunk. I do too. Um, I've, you know, I built a Goldberg, the big kit one, you know, many years ago, uh, and I never flew it. I sold it, the airframe, before I ever had a chance to finish it and fly it. And I've always wanted one since. Um, well, so now this you have is, a mini one. Now I have a mini one. Yeah. yeah. So and I'm really excited about it. Maybe one day you'll get a a, a daddy size one. Uh, maybe instead of a little baby one. I saw one like I saw a a, a Goldberg kit of the one I'm talking about uh, go on uh, RC groups here not long ago over three hundred dollars. Wow! For a, you know a vintage old kit like that, I'm not sure I'm willing to pay that for one, but I would sure you know I'd sure like to have one someday. Well, I mean, why not? It's but yeah, we each so now we'll each have one, uh, and they're. Identical in size. The only difference are the minor differences, the way the electronics mount, and you have a battery tray in yours and mine just you stuff the battery in the nose. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, I can put a pilot in mine and yeah, I have a, a oh. kind of a, I don't want to say detailed cockpit, but it has a sticker. Yeah, it, it actually has a, a dash panel with a sticker and gauges on it and stuff. Mine's just wood, but. Yeah, and then uh, mine's held on with uh, with the traditional nowadays yeah, magnets. Magnets, yeah. And yours is Mine actually some, has a little spring-loaded, it's not spring-loaded, but it's a little wire catch. You, know, you yeah. pull the wire out and the canopy p- pops off and when you're done doing whatever you're doing there, you pop it back on and slide the wire back in. And it's well, that's where your go. battery goes. Uh, no, the battery goes where the wing is. goes and stuff's in the nose. You have to take the wing off to get the battery out. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad you chose that one. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, they're they're going to be a good time. They're going to be they're going to be fun to build. I think. Uh, yeah, for the 25 minutes it takes. <laughs> Ron and I decided we're going to spend a, a low stress evening one of these evenings after the after the holidays are over and just put these things together with uh, no strings attached. Yeah, I think it'll be a, so, a good idea. There's yeah. not a lot that goes into them. Nope. Like I said, they're pretty close to being done. So, yep. what else did we buy while we were up there? I think that's it. Um, well, I mean, like that's it for the airplanes. Yeah, yeah. miscellaneous. Yeah, things I bought some for, uh, bought some covering for the duelist for the duelist, right? And then uh, you got some hardware and stuff for your duelist. I got the receiver. I got some got propellers. Some yeah. I unfortunately, I think. So I want to go with the three-blade prop. Oh, yeah. And I actually bought three-blade three props. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought one pusher, one normal. So I'm going to be able to do the counter-rotating Why do you blades. buy one? You have two motors. One pusher, one normal. Oh, you're going to put a three-blade on one side and a two-blade on the other? What? Did I misspeak? <laughs> it confused me a little bit. So I bought... I know what you mean. I bought three-blade props. Yes. Two. Yes. One of which is regular. Right. And one is a uh, pusher. Oh, now I'm tracking. Okay. So. Counter-rotating. Counter-rotating. Got it. Um, So that way I can actually do, you know, spin them backwards and and get rid of the P-factor and all that kind of stuff. However, he didn't have three-bladed propeller spinners. True. Yeah. So I'm probably going to end up flying it. It's got to have a spinner. Well, it has to. I mean, yeah. It wouldn't look right without it. Nope. Um, so I'm probably going to end up flying it just on a regular two-blade prop until he gets those in, and then yeah. we'll go from there. But yeah, so it's going to be fun. And I did buy the wood props because yes, not on the three-blade, but on the two-blade, I bought the, the wood props because I really I don't know like. if you can buy wooden three-blade props anymore. I know there were companies back in the day that I've used to make them. I've seen bigger ones. Big ones, yes, but yeah, like but in the sport of kind ones. of size, I don't think we can get them in that size anymore. That's too bad. That'd be cool. It would be. There you so, go. There's a business opportunity for you. Uh, yeah, figure out how to do it. <laughs> um, but that's about all I got. Like yeah. I said, just miscellaneous electronic stuff and things to finish it up. But other than that, I didn't buy anything else too exciting. Yeah. So it yeah. was a it was a fun visit though. It was a fun visit. We had dinner on the way home at Arby's. So <laughs> we did. <laughs> <laughs> Arby's. Poor. I mean, poor Tom. So yeah. go on. Yeah. So I I order. You know, I go through the drive through and. You know, they have deals going on all the time. I forgot you got like 20 roast beef for two bucks they or something like that. They had five for 10 on their classic roast beef. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, 10. give me five. Give me five. I didn't eat them all. No, that's true. I only had one on the way home. That's true. But Because you weren't on. worried. But, well, just, <laughs> I didn't want to eat them all. Uh, but yeah, I ordered two beef and cheddar sandwiches and uh, a curly fry or something like that. And yeah. Uh, luckily, we decided to stop and eat there because I'm not a big fan of driving and eating at the same time. Not a big fan. Yeah, eating in the parking lot because everything's closed. Yeah, yeah. In case everyone didn't know, COVID has closed everything down where we are, so you can't eat in the dining room. Yeah. So eating there, and the first sandwich I open up has no cheddar. It's a beef and cheddar <laughs> sandwich. There's no cheddar on it. I mean, it's in the title of what the sandwich beef is. Beef and cheddar, right? You got a beef. I got a beef and whatever that sauce is that they put on it. Uh, red. Oh, what? What did my wife said? It was. What was it? A red. Like a red ranch sauce. Red ranch. Yeah, that's yeah what whatever she says. it is. It's not Arby's sauce. It's okay. Well, whatever it is, no cheese. So I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, what are the odds? You know, they probably got the other one wrong too. So I open up the second sandwich. It's got cheese on it. Perfect. So one out of two. Fifty percent. That's like that's they a probably. Good. You know they they probably had both sandwiches together on their little table where they make them or their counter or whatever. And managed to get cheese on one of them. 
Okay, it's not the end of the world. I know. It's, it's, I know. it's okay. Just, you it's got just a they, minor they pet peeve. They took care of it, did they not? Oh, absolutely. They for so sure. They, did they fine. completely. They completely yeah. took care of it, and everything was right as rain after that. But I mean, you're just old and crotchety. I am, but you're two sandwiches, old and crotchety, right next to each other. Old and How crotchety. How do you get cheese on one and not the other? I don't. I don't understand. Anyway. But anyway, so we, yes, they did make it right, and and it was delicious. And yeah, once we got home and we got everything unloaded, then I realized, holy cow, we came home with a lot of airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, it didn't really sink in, even as I was loading them all at the shop to yeah. bring them home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, it was a good trip. It was I had a good fun. trip. I enjoyed it very much. Yep. Um, I would like to do it again sometime. Yeah, I would too. Uh, well, maybe not come home with seven airplanes again. Oh, that's what I meant. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, I'm out I'm of room. I'm out of room. No, I'm out of room. Well, I technically I've been out of room, so like I don't even know where I'm gonna take the little uh, chipmunk. I, yeah, I don't know. Where I may just leave it here go. since we're gonna build them here. <laughs> well, I, I figured you would until it was built. Okay, that's probably what I'll do then. <laughs> that, but I I don't expect you to leave it here once it's built. Oh dang. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so, yeah, so good times. It was, yeah. It was a great conversation with Brian. So if you haven't uh, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, um, it was a special guest, uh, Brian from Dynamic Balsa. Uh, great conversation. The guy's been in business for, well, since 2008. He's mm-hmm. been a hobby shop, but he's been involved in the hobby since 1985. Yep. Uh, and, and when I say been involved in the hobby, like involved. Yeah, not in just I fly. Yeah, not just I build model airplanes. I mean, he has owned companies. He has... Yeah, he's uh, cut foam core. I mean, the guy's done just about everything you can do in the hobby and done it well. Yeah, I mean, like, I felt like I shouldn't even have had a microphone yeah. for that whole thing. Because <laughs> I was pretty just, quiet. I was. I was just sitting there <laughs> listening to both of you because I didn't understand half the stuff you're talking about. You're talking about some of these old old businesses and stuff that he's had, like the foam wing stuff. And right. That means nothing to me. You know, yeah. I've never heard of them. I've not lived through it like you guys well, had. Yeah, so you just, yeah, you weren't involved then. I was just enjoying the conversation, sitting back. And then every every now and then I was like, hey, uh-huh, I, I agree. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, it was fun. Yep, I'd like to do that again someday. I know, think once we should we, uh, once we uh, have time and get through the holidays and stuff. Um, yeah, have him as a guest again. I think it'd be fun. There you go. So, duelist update. <laughs> oh, little little thing yeah. for me. Um, I still have not received my covering. Are you kidding? Me? I'm not kidding. No. Oh my gosh. I emailed him and I haven't heard back from him. I mean, so remember I told you I, I ordered two different orders. Yes. The second order I received. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That has come in and you've, you could have covered your airplane already with it. No, I mean, I ordered two separate orders from the eBay per, or the eBay place. Oh, okay. That second order came in. That you ordered after the first one. I ordered after the first yeah. one. Now, like I said, the uh, three full orders. Yeah. One through the actual value hobby shop. And I got that the next day. <laughs> Through eBay, wow. I'm still waiting three weeks later, four weeks, whatever it's been that. now. Yeah, so but that's okay, you know. So, we'll, we'll so get at this point, it's really it's really an experiment. Yeah, at, at now point. it's just it's, I want to see how long it takes. How long will it take them to ship me the covering from the same place that I got the covering next day from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, three three that, hours away. That'll be interesting. We should have stopped up there. I mean, like we were close. It was close, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were close. That was and, I didn't think of that. Yep, hindsight. Oh well, twenty twenty. But so that's all I've really had time to do on my deal. There's been so much other stuff going on. I'm yep. sorry, I haven't had a chance. Oh, that's okay. To. Well, and I'll, I'll talk about it. Um, you know, I I had kind of a a look over your duelist, um, and I noticed I did notice that your your wing looked weird in the saddle, like mm-hmm. there was a big gap at the trailing edge, and I was like, hmm, that's 
you might want to look into that. And then I mentioned uh, to check the incidents. And you were like, what does that mean? What is that? I well, have, have the gauge for you it, do. but what does um, that mean? Yeah, uh, I never even thought about so it. So I'll talk about that just a little bit here. So incidents uh, refers to um, relative to the some datum, uh, some line, imaginary line, either it could be the aircraft center line, it could be the cord line, it could be whatever frame of reference you want to use, as long as you use the same one for all these measurements. Which for this plane, it would be the fuselage that, crutch. Yeah, yeah. That that stringer that goes yep. all the way from the front to the back. Nice stringer. You got it. Thank you. You've had problems with that before, so good job. No, it, it was. I don't think stringer gave me a lot of problems. I thought it was the uh, oh the wing, wing, ribs. wing ribs. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, you're right. So the frame of reference on the duelist <laughs> is that stringer, mm -hmm. which is also on the plans called the crutch. Um, it actually says that on there. I believe so. Oh, yep. okay. Um, it was a plat, is Dave Platism. Uh, he called them crutches on his airplanes. Which, by the way, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's okay. Just talking last week, <laughs> I was just floored because, I mean, I, I, I guess I don't realize how small of a hobby uh, community this the community is for this. Yeah, yeah. The, just talking him, and when we started talking about, yeah, we're building the duelist and stuff, and he's like, oh, from Dave Platt. Yeah, I know him. It's just like, really? I mean, yeah. it's just kind of floored by that. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah. Not not to get off topic again, but yeah, Brian, he, he like knows everybody in, involved in the hobby. Mm -hmm. uh, if they if they were a manufacturer or a, a designer or, I mean, he knows them all, which yeah. is really neat, I think. Yeah. Anyway, um, incidents. So we have our frame of uh, reference. Like uh, in this case, we've got the stringer on the fuselage side. Um, and we're going to take all of our measurements off of that so that we're consistent. And incidence refers to the angle of the wing cord and or the stabilizer cord if there is. Well, there actually is one, even if it's a flat stab. Mm -hmm. um, and the angle of those relative to that datum. And on the plans, at least for our duelist, um, those are zero degrees. Uh, so Dave Platt wants us to build our wing saddle such that the wing cord line sits parallel or zero degrees to the our datum, which is the, the fuselage crutch. Mm -hmm. um, and the same goes for the stab. So they both have to be sitting parallel to that crutch, which will um, – the reason for, for using different um, – Incidences, I think that's the plural of incidents. <laughs> incidents, it's, I. Incidents, I. Incidai. Incidences. Incidences. Um, <laughs> are there, there's lots of aerodynamic reasons that you would not want, say, a wing at zero degrees. I'm not going to get into that because every airplane is different. Um, biplanes sometimes use a top wing incidence that is different than the bottom wing or vice versa. Or sometimes they'll set their horizontal stab at a different angle than the wings, you know, for whatever reason. Um, they're not always set to zero. Um, and your plans will always tell you, um, well, I don't want, I shouldn't say always, but the plans will usually tell you, especially if you're building from plans, you can usually determine from the plans uh, if they're, you know, what that angle is supposed to be. Um, so on your duelist, I noticed that there, there was a lot of area with your wing sitting in your wing saddle, there was a lot of area between the trailing edge of your wing and your fuselage. And so I suggested that you might want to 
bolt the wing on, set it you know on a level-ish surface, and then measure those and make sure those are both the zero wing yeah. and stab. And I know there's still room for sanding on the on the fuselage before that sits down nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I didn't think anything about the reason why it yeah. needed to be done that way. Yep. Well, that's why. Yeah. Um, and my guess is just just looking quickly at, at yours. Um, a little bit of sanding in the wing saddle will bring that right right to zero degrees and you've been good to go. Yeah, because there's still room like between the balsa and the former on the yeah. inside of the fuselage. And lucky for us, the fuselage sides are just eighth inch sheet and very easy to sand. Yeah. So and it, it almost looks like it was designed in order to have like nothing touching like the the wing is not going to touch a former at all. Yep. Like it's not supposed to. If you no, yeah, the there's plans. a little bit of a so gap. So there's enough gap yep. to kind of fix it and yep. have a little fudge room, which yes. is good for those of us. That and don't I know needed what we're it doing. on mine because uh, I think actually, I think on mine is F six. I think is the one the 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 aftmost former that's still in the wing saddle area. I think mine F six is touching the wing, but mm. the other formers I do have a little bit of a gap which is interesting. Probably just a variation or, you know, m- me well, making once again, small changes well, or whatever. It also goes into that whole, remember, the the formers don't line up oh, yeah. in the two different that's, places on the plan right. too. So, so that could be. So. Your datum is off, or not your datum, your stringer is off a little bit based on what it based says on, on the plans. Yeah. So, so, But I do know that my incidents on my stab and my wing match, and they are relative to the crutch. At zero degrees. Yeah. So mine will. We'll see. Once I'm done. If it flies wonky, then, you know, then I'll know. Wonky. <laughs> well, you'll have a chance to maybe fix it. I don't know if you on have On the next to. one? I hope not. No. Uh, I don't plan on building another duelist. Well, I didn't plan on building another one either back in the day. So oh, you really? Know. I mean, did you tell yourself like you didn't want to do it or was it just a... Well, it, honestly, back then it was like, well, I'll just, I'll come across a kit someday and then I'll build another one. And now, I mean, you know, I posted a link on uh, on Facebook here just last week that I, you know, one of them popped up for sale for three hundred something dollars. Yeah, wasn't that in England or something? Uh, Portugal, I think. Oh, um, okay. But there one popped up here in the states just a couple of days later, and I think it might still be on eBay. I can't remember, but it was over two hundred dollars last time I checked. So, I mean, really, that's not bad. No, I it's guess not. It's not. If you look at how much we spent nope. on wood, uh, yeah, right, absolutely right. Especially since I've built three wings. Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, um, but no, yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's a little bit about incidents and what it means and and what it looks like. Um, and since I'm talking about the wing saddle area. Yeah, this is the other thing I wanted to ask how you. About, yeah, how about I talk about my fillets? That's a good idea. Is I it fillets know, or fillets? Well, I for think that, it's I fillets. would say wing fillet. Yeah. Uh, if it's a steak, I would say fillet. Right. So basically what we're talking about is the the smoothing of the area uh, where the wing interfaces with the fuselage. I think like a, a P40 like where the the wing actually mm-hmm. attaches to the fuselage and it's rounded mm-hmm. and it's not just like a 90 degree angle. Technically they're called fairings. Oh, is that what it is? It's a wing fairing. Yeah. Oh. Well, then why don't you call it that? Well, we did we did cuz it I don't know. I'm not sure why. <laughs> uh, that's a okay, good question. so the wing fairing. So the wing fillet fairing the ring, the wing fairing fillet smoothed area. Uh so how I did that on mine. Um I would not do again. Okay. For covering an airplane with uh, film, you know, monocoat in, in my case. So how I did mine, I uh, so I have this product. It's called um, 
I believe we call it G10, but it's basically FRP, fiberglass reinforced plastic, whatever. And it's very, very thin. Was it 15 thousandths or so? And to be honest, where I got it from, um, I'm not sure you can still get it. Actually, I got it from Jim Allen. Uh, if you remember yeah. out of the, uh, out of his stuff and where he got it, I'm pretty sure he got it from advanced composites is the name of the company. Okay. Um, or was the name of the company. I'm sure there's other companies that make it, but basically it's just, it's fiberglass heart, you know, it's pre cured fiberglass cloth with the resin in it. And the stuff I have is really super thin and flexible. Uh, and I use that as my base. So what I did. And it's I, clear. It's translucent. Well, it's translucent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what I did is I formed a base out of that material and glued it to the fuselage saddle area, um, mounted my wing. Actually, I should I should start over. The way I did mine, probably there's easier ways. Um, but what I did is I, I cut the, the base to shape and you want it to sort of fare smoothly into the wing. So at the leading edge, it's going to be, you know, smaller not as wide, and then it's going to get wider as it goes back to the trailing edge of the wing. I cut mine to shape first. Uh, I mounted my wing, and then I slid them because I had a little bit of a gap uh, between my wing and my stab or mm -hmm. my uh, fuselage. I slid them with the wing mounted loosely. I slid them between that interface, you know, in that wing saddle area, and then I tightened up the bolts of the wing to draw the wing up, you know, tight to the right. fuselage which sort of clamped those in position. And then I kind of moved them a little bit. Once I got, once I got them where I liked them, I glued them carefully to the fuselage side. Now, what I should have done is I should have probably mixed up a layer of, or mixed up a batch of, uh, say, 30-minute epoxy with some uh, filler of some kind, micro balloons or balsa dust or whatever you want to use. Um, probably should have mixed up a layer of that, covered the wing center section with, say, uh, plastic wrap or something, and then done all that with that filler in place, you know, gluing the bases oh, with I gotcha. that mm -hmm. to help take up to some of the gaps. To get inside of it too. Get, yeah. Um, would have made them a lot stronger. Um, but the way I did it worked, and I used thick CA to glue those bases to the fuselage oh. with the wing in position. Sure. So I tack glued it in a few places, made sure it was not going to move. Then I removed the wing and went back and glued it solid with, you know, the rest of the way where I had missed any, you know, areas any with gaps. the glue. Yeah. And then and once I did that, once I was satisfied with that fit, I uh, sort of shaped the base of the fillet, uh, this fiberglass stuff, with a sanding block so that it made a smooth transition from really narrow at the front to kind of wide at the back. And uh, I made mine, I think, three quarters of an inch or so at the widest point at the back. And at the front, they start off at about a sixteenth of an inch sticking out of the fuselage side, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> once I had them sanded to the shape that I wanted, uh, then came the fun part. <laughs> and this is where I probably would do things a lot differently. Um, if you're going to cover the airframe with monocoat, which is what I'm doing on mine, mm -hmm. um, probably what I would do now is I would fill that fillet area with balsa and sand that to the fillet shape you know, the smooth air fairing yeah. shape because balsa or because Monaco sticks to balsa really, really well. And it doesn't try to pull it apart as you shrink, shrink mm -hmm. it. Uh, but what I did instead of doing it that way, <laughs> which I learned. Learned from your mistake. Um, 
I should probably preface this by saying this is the first time I've really gone out and built my own wing fillets. Mm-hmm. So a lot of scale kits, they uh, they have them built into the formers so that it makes that shape for you. And then when you sheet it, you've got your nice fairing there already. Uh, and that's what I'm familiar with. So I've never built my fillets this way. They've always just been too complicated for me to try to tackle myself. And so I always just did without them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm glad I built them, but... Um, if I was fiberglassing an airframe, the way I did it would would be just fine. But uh, anyway, since I'm monocoating it, what I would do is I would fill that that space between your fillet base and the concave area of the fuselage. I would fill that with balsa as tight fitting as you can. You know, cut small pieces. Triangular stock would work well for this um, in small sections, and you can glue them in sections and then fill the small voids or sand them so they fit really well together. Each section, you know what I mean? Sure. Segment. I'm I'm following. And then uh, once the balsa is in there, sand that to the shape, and then. Only minor filling would be required to really get it smooth. But <laughs> that's how I would do it now. <laughs> what you did was but what not I did. That at all. What I did was, uh, yeah. So what I did, <laughs> I took thirty minute epoxy and I mixed a lot of micro balloons with it to make it a really thick, almost a paste, such that like when I turned the cup over, it would come out of the, it would run out of the cup, but it was really, really thick and slow because mm-hmm. I didn't want it to run all over the place when I'm trying to make my wing fillets. Um, and what I did is I mixed that up, mixed that mixture up, and I dumped it in that area where the, you know, imagine it, it's a V, right? Yeah, you're it's, at an angle now. Yeah, and so I dumped that in there. You've tilted the, the yeah, uh, fuselage 45 degrees. Yeah, rotate the fuselage so that I'm looking straight down into the void between the fuselage and the fillet base that I made, mm-hmm. right? So it's like a V, fairing like base. a cup, fairing base. There you go. Um, and I poured this mixture in there and I smoothed it out. Uh, and then as it was kicking off, so I used 30-minute epoxy. And here's a Here's a warning about 30-minute epoxy. When you use a lot of micro balloons or filler, for whatever reason, it kicks off really, really fast. Hmm. Like, That's I weird. was not expecting that. It, it actually kicked off before I was ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to do a lot of grinding, not sanding, a lot of grinding on the first one. I did not know all of this. Because it kicked off so quick and I was I didn't have it near the shape I wanted it when it finally hardened to the point where I couldn't work it anymore. Yeah, epoxy is weird in how fast it sets up. It is. I mean, it's not like it goes from liquid to thicker liquid to thicker liquid to solid, like on an even line of time. Yeah, it's exponential. It's very much exponential, and I wanted that the hard way too. Yeah. Um, But there's a sweet spot in there where it's it's very, it's malleable without without being um, runny, if that, makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that was the, that was, was my goal was to wait for that for the moment 20 seconds in where time you and then it. take a finger, you know, dip it in alcohol or, or use a gloved finger dipped in alcohol. And then my goal was just to take my finger and kind of shape that fillet as, right. as kind of a concave, yeah. smooth, faired shape. Well, that didn't work out. Uh, like I said, <laughs> the, uh, the stuff, the stuff kicked off before I was ready and uh, by the time I, I had, was ready to start smoothing, it was already hard as a rock. And there was no there was no shaping it with my finger. I had to shape it with a sanding drum in my Dremel. Wow. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. 
so continue yeah. on and tell me how you finished because I thought I thought you did it differently so, than what you've told me so yeah. far. So my plan was to do the entire fillet with this mixture of epoxy and filler. Mm-hmm. And then my my thought was I was going to get to that sweet spot where it was malleable and I was going to shape it with my finger and it was going to be perfectly shaped. And then all I would have to do would be come and just touch it up with a little bit of sandpaper and then I'd be ready for covering. And so there was no thought... No, that was the thought. No, there was no thought of, I've not done this before. Let me do a test I did. somewhere else to no, see no, no, how no. this works. No, I did I did a test a test batch. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the, the, the entire process, but I did mix up a test batch in my mixing cup, and I set it off to the side, and I watched it. Not watched it, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. I checked it frequently, and then when it got to a point where I thought, okay, this is the point where I'm going to be able to work with it, it was 10 minutes, let's say. I but forget what the time was. You, but you, you do realize, too, I know, though, that I know. the more product and epoxy I, you have, yes, the, more understand. Heat, the more heat that is uh, given off and the I faster understand. it sets. And that's why I mixed up the same amount for my test batch that I was going to use on my first run. I was planning on doing this in multiple. I wasn't going to try to do my entire fillet in one go. Okay. My plan was to do as much as I could do the first one, and then if that wasn't enough, hopefully it'd be shallow and I could come and do another layer, and if that wasn't enough, do another layer. That was my plan. Okay. Um, So which is why my test batch was the exact same amounts of everything that I was using, the A and B and the filler, right? as my batch that I was going to put on the airframe. But something about when it's in a cup all together, yes. the heat gets concentrated and it kicks off faster. Yeah. So anyway, okay. uh, it kicked off and it hardened and I had to go back with a sanding drum and my Dremel and nearly grind all of it off almost. Um, and then I got discouraged, didn't want to do go through all that again <laughs> because it was very stressful and I really wanted this to look nice. Uh, so, so then it was just me building the area up with, and I hate to say it, spackle, <laughs> filler, you know, wood filler. Yeah, lightweight. I uh, did not use the lightweight stuff. I used regular, you know, the the stuff that's pink and it turns white as it as it dries. It no, a, yeah, it shows you want to dry by regular. what color it is. Yeah. So you didn't even use the lightweight stuff. Why for what? Well, the reason I didn't use the lightweight stuff is because the lightweight stuff, I mean, you can nearly sand lightweight, the really lightweight stuff that I have. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking about the okay. So the DAP lightweight filler that you're talking about you get from Lowe's and places like that. Yeah. Just lightweight spackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lightweight spackle, the problem with that stuff is I think it has a lot of plastic in it because when it's dry to the touch, feels like okay, I can sand this now. What happens is you'll sand it, it'll either get hot from sanding or maybe the, the, the heat generated from, from sanding it, or maybe it's not cured like underneath the surface. But what happens is it balls up underneath the sanding paper, and then those little balls then grind divots into the remaining filler or balsa, uh, even worse, uh, underneath it. So that's okay. been my experience with the lightweight spackle. Okay. Now, the lightweight model filler stuff that I've been using, the model used to be called Dave Brown or... Goldberg Model Magic. Now it's uh, Advanced Products or something like that. Lightweight. It's a balsa colored lightweight model filler. And it's way too lightweight to use in big areas like a fillet or yeah. deep areas where you're going to be, especially where you're going to be monocoating to it. Because Monaco, what Monaco likes to do, 
it likes to shrink with heat. Mm-hmm. And it also likes to grab on to whatever's underneath it because of the adhesive that's on the film. Well, as it shrinks, the adhesive grabs the filler and pulls it, actually pulls it apart. Like, since it's a concave since, that you're exactly. covering. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that was my experience. So then that required, because I was going to, the thought process was, oh, well, I'll just fill everything in with my lightweight model filler and then I'll cover over it and then. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> so then um, uh, I went back with the regular spackle, which is a little bit heavier than the lightweight stuff, but it sands much better. Yeah. Um, but the same sort of problem, uh, the monocote stuck to it, and then as it shrank, it pulled the filler apart, kind of like into crumbles. It was kind of kind of neat and kind of weird at the same time. <laughs> So Not then on the because of where it was. So then on the final the final solution at least in in my case was to use the regular spackle, not the lightweight stuff, but the regular spackle and then go over the spackle with thin CA to sort of make it hard and and develop a like a layer sure. on it and then I was able to actually cover get the covering to stick to that. <laughs> 45 pounds later. Quite a quite a process. Um, it's not as heavy as I as you would think um, huh. because my fillets ended up being much smaller because I got tired of trying <laughs> to fill that wide area. They're still pretty yeah. pretty nice and pretty smooth and um, but yeah, they they are they were way more difficult than than I needed to make them. Looking back, I would just take balsa tri stock, fill in that uh, that gap, you know, cut little segments of it to fit and then come back and sand those smooth and then use filler to fill the small gaps and then it would have been golden. I'd be good to go. Yeah. But if we were fiberglassing these airframes, that lightweight uh, lightweight spackle or lightweight filler would have would have worked just fine because we're not shrinking or heating anything onto that. So. Well, you yeah, learned. lesson learned. I'm not ever going to use uh, epoxy to make my fillets again. <laughs> At least not not on a on a balsa airframe that's not getting you know fiberglassed. So, did you do the epoxy on the other side too? I did just to make it but match. I, I did. Yeah. Okay. I used. That's what I would. I done. did the same process, but I was much more cautious on the other side, so I didn't have to do any of the grinding or the sanding. Thank goodness. Um, but uh, yeah, there's one layer of epoxy right on the fillet base, mm-hmm. and then above that, it's all the spackle. <laughs> nice, smooth to shape, and it's all covered now, and it looks okay. Yeah, you're way ahead of me. It looks okay. I'm not. I'm not. You know, really, really, really in love with it. But at this point, it's covered. I'm moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So, so speaking of covering, yeah, they're just well, yeah. The rest of my update is just I've got the fuselage about eighty percent covered, and I'm going to start hopefully the wing here in a few days. Cool. Yeah, so and then it'll be final installation of my gear. I was going to say, hopefully, the next thing we really have to report is going to be we're done and ready to fly it. Hopefully that will be the uh, the next episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm really hopeful because our next episode will be, you know. Well, next episode will be the wives. Well, right. So but the next episode of just us, I mean. Yeah. yeah. So just the two of us, we should be talking about that being finished. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully successful test flights and uh, moving on to the next uh, whatever topic it is. There we go. So cool. Anything else you want to talk about today? I did want to mention um, it's been a while since we've uh, thanked uh, the folks that have uh, decided to uh, be patrons of ours and uh, wanted to, uh, like I said, thank them. And then uh, if you're not a patron yet, there's uh, you can still become a patron and uh, you just go to Patreon and uh, 
support us that way if you like what we do. Also, if you're into the RC Plane Lab swag, there's a link to uh, stuff you can buy with our logo on it right on our website, mm -hmm. rcplanelab.com. New shop set up. We got hats and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, it's cool looking stuff. I've got a couple shirts myself. Mm -hmm. So do I. I got to get a beanie though. Yeah, you do. We're going to start doing videos soon. Got to look good. Got to support the <laughs> support the logo. That's if I ever get my camera. <laughs> well, it's still it'll waiting. Eh, it'll get here eventually. It's probably going to come the same day that my uh, covering comes. <laughs> <laughs> on the same, yeah, on the same truck from three hours away. Yeah. Actually, it does come from here in Illinois, too. The camera stuff does. Oh, jeez. So, anyway. <laughs> I okay. hope they're in the same box. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows anymore? I have no clue. But, yeah, that's uh, that's all I have. All right, good. Cool. Until next time, I'm Ron. And I'm Taunt. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. All right. Good night. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.